in these United States, there has been much controversy regarding law enforcement. Today, we are joined by two Catholic patrolmen who are going to talk about their new lay apostolate for Catholics today on the One Peter Five podcast. Jesus is King. Welcome to the One Peter Five podcast, Rebuilding Christendom, Restoring Catholic Culture and Tradition. I'm Timothy Flanders, Editor-in-Chief of One Peter Five, and I'm joined today by two men, Matthew Reed and Logan, both law enforcement officers. Matt actually just enjoyed retirement. Gentlemen, <laughs> welcome to the show today. Thank you very much for having us. Honored to be here. Yeah. So we're talking about the Patrolman's Fraternity of St. Michael, which y'all have just formed. And before we get into that topic, which is of great interest to us, I just want to remind everyone that I on your support to pay those bills. So if you can become a donor, that would help us a lot. $5 a month, $10 a month, anything you can afford helps us. Just go to onepeter5.com slash donate so let's first before we get into the patrolman's fraternity itself can you tell us a little bit about yourself matt you just retired tell us anything about uh your uh career as a law enforcement officer okay well i just retired after 22 and a half years with the new york city police department um it was not a uh all the way voluntary uh retirement this has something to do with one of the main issues of our age uh, regarding the, ma the vaccine mandates and such. I'm not going to go into all the details of that, but um, again, 22 and a half years with the NYPD. It was a great career. I obviously observed and saw lots of things. And regarding my Catholicism, which was virtually dormant when I came on the job uh, into the the long process I had to not only having a reversion, but a, a rather, you know, profound reversion that ultimately led to the Patrolman's Attorney of St. Michael. Fantastic. Logan, tell us about yourself. Sure. So I'm uh, kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum uh, from Matt. I only graduated the Academy back in 2019. So I'm a uh, young, enthusiastic officer who's still a little wet behind the ears, but, uh, I, and I actually happen to have my, uh, strong reversion similar to Matt, uh, slightly prior to getting on the job, as they say. So, uh, I kind of come into it from a slightly different angle, but to speak a little bit to the genesis of the whole thing, um, I work in a department in the Northeast, um, just as a disclaimer, anything I say here, if someone does find out where I work, I won't say, but I speak for myself. I'm not really speaking in any official capacity for the department. Um, to speak again to the genesis of this whole thing, um, I was very fortunate that a fellow parishioner of mine recommended a uh, more diocesan run retreat for men run by the illustrious Father Paracone who some viewers may recognize the name. I believe he writes for First Things in a, uh, or Crisis Magazine, a couple other places. Um, and that's where I had the great fortune of meeting Matt. Uh, I came into that retreat. It's the first retreat I'd ever been on um, with kind of this germ of an idea 
because I had already noticed things in my short time being an officer and being Catholic that there was a great need for, you know, some kind of fraternal brotherhood of Catholic police officers to help us, you know, live and practice the faith in a position, in a profession that's very demanding and uh, can come with a lot of difficulties and temptations. So we met there, uh, you know, father Paracone introduced me to Matt because he knew that Matt was already, you know, a Sergeant in the NYPD. So we began, I had mentioned this and, and Matt was kind of like, Hey, well, lucky for you, I already have something like that, that I've kind of been working on for a little bit of time. And it kind of, uh, you know, went from there. Excellent. Um, can you tell us, uh, Matt, can you tell us a little bit about, um, your Catholic upbringing? What made you want to go into law enforcement in the first place and what led to your reversion? Sure. Well, I was raised in a, uh, Irish Catholic family, uh, ever since my family came here to, to New York, we've stayed here. We've never left. Uh, my family comes from the West of Ireland, County Kerry, County Cork, very, very Catholic parts of what, what once was a very Catholic country. Um, so my upbringing was primarily, uh, my formation was really in the 80s. And I was brought up in a very, very spirited Vatican II, Nova Sordo, uh, spaceship hangar looking of a church. Uh, and, you know, my parents they really did the best that I think they knew and what the, um, the church was telling people to do. And, but even with that, they took myself, my siblings, I have, I'm one of three. I have uh, an older sister, an older brother and us and most of the kids in the neighborhood, they took us out of CCD, which was an absolute and total uh, disaster. Um, and they started their own basically homeschool uh, catechism program. So I was, I was basically, uh, homeschooled, uh, as far as my religious formation goes for, for primarily uh, for the, for the majority of my childhood, I went to public schools, however. Um, and, um, I mean, honestly, as soon as we made our confirmation and out of high school, myself and all my friends, you know, we all kind of ran for the border just because what we saw each week did not have a hold on us. And um, so, again, getting to college, I, I knew since the time I was 13 or 14, I wanted to be a cop. My, my older cousin became uh, a cop in 1988. At the time, I, was, uh, I would have been 11 years old. So uh, I think that probably had me to start thinking about it. And by the time I was 14, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And um, so in that regard, I was very fortunate because a lot of my peers were kind of you know, went through some years that they just didn't know what they were doing. They were here, there, and everywhere. And I, I, I got on when I was 22 years old. And at that time, my, again, like I said before, my faith was was completely dormant. Um, I was living a thoroughly secular life, um, <clears throat> prone to all the temptations that are prone to a young man. And, um, but uh, the seed of the faith never left. It was my my grandparents were tremendously devout people. They were wonderful people. Uh, and it was really their, it was their uh, example that made me know that there was something more to the faith. That, that we always stuck with me. I knew there was something more. I didn't know what, but, but the way they, they lived their faith, I knew there had to be something more. So, um, 
you know, many years later, I was married. I was, I had the good fortune to marry a, a beautiful girl who came from a, a Luther, a missionary Lutheran family. And her family was quite uh, engaged and, and devout. And so that really kind of brought me back into maybe having this in my life. And um, it was really her grandmother, her Lutheran grandmother. We was quite, quite intrigued by Catholicism. We would have some discussions and, and I realized in those discussions, I really, I did not know the faith like I should. And uh, after we had our first son, and um, I was very, very aware that we are going to raise him, obviously, in the faith. My wife, you know, agreed that we would raise him Catholic. Um, but I realized I didn't have the proper understanding of the faith to really uh, form him the way I thought he should should be and my subsequent children as well so um we started going to mass and and my wife was i hope i don't go on too long here i know there's a lot of detail i don't know no, this is great thank yeah. you yeah yeah so we started going to mass and um it was interesting because my wife grew up lcms lutheran i think a lot of people will know what that probably means uh, missouri synod which is amongst the most conservative lutheran uh, branches there are and she was a guest at what we were seeing. Uh, just, you know, the happy clappy um, jingles that you hear and the, the remarkable lack of, of decor and reverence and things like that. And so sometimes we would get in discussions and I would speak to her back in, to converting to the Catholicism. And her quote, her direct quote was, why should I convert to Catholicism when the Catholic Mass is just like the Lutherans' Lord's Supper, but the Lutherans do it better. Uh, <laughs> and you know something? I mean, she was absolutely right. I mean, it was to compare the two was really like comparing apples and oranges. I mean, the 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 Novus Ordo is remarkably, remarkably similar to the Lutherans' Lord's Supper, almost word for word, almost word for word. So um, we again, we were trying, really trying to 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 live a life of faith. And I ended up going to midnight mass by myself one night in, uh, we were at her sister and brother-in-law's house in suburban Chicago and they had midnight mass and I went there and it was, uh, the most beautiful reverent mass I'd ever seen. It was, it was a, uh, a new mass. However, it had Gregorian chants. It had polyphony. It had all of the smells and bells that they could possibly put into it. And I was, uh, I was in awe. I was in awe. And um, it had really been what I've been missing my, my whole life. And I realized that at the time, up until that point, and the next morning, they, uh, they um, asked me, well, Matt, how was Midnight Mass? And I said, I'm, I'm ruined. I said, I'm changed forever. I'm ruined. I can't go back. <laughs> so when we got back, I had always knew, known that there were traditional Masses out there. I don't know how, but I, I, I guess I did maybe because the internet might have seen them along the way. And I Googled where we could go around us to, to experience the traditional mass. So uh, we went to St. Agnes in Midtown Manhattan one Sunday with my wife and my baby boy at the time. And uh, I've told people, I'm not ashamed to say it, that barely in, I was, uh, it was something I'll never forget. It was a profound experience. I not 
I know that not everyone has them, but I really did. And um, it was right when the Kyrie meets the Gloria and they had this beautiful choir singing, you know, it must've been Palestrina or some polyphonic setting. And I started to lose it. You know, I started to, uh, to cry just because I was so taken with it. I never experienced anything so beautiful. And, and I remember seeing my baby boy at the time, he was you know, a year, just over a year, year and change. And the priest was doing the blessings and he was kind of exaggerated how we do it. And he's in little kid in the pew and he's, he's doing this, mimicking the priest as a, as a baby. I remember that very well. And my wife asked me afterwards, she said, well, what do you think? And I said, I'll tell you what I think. I said, I feel like my entire Catholic birthright has been stolen from me and all other Catholics my generation. And, but I said, more importantly, I feel like our Lord has been denied his due worship for the last half century. And um, that changed everything. It changed everything. It changed our family, changed our faith, my wife. We would go as much as we could. And within a few months, we're going to bed one night. And my wife said, out of nowhere, I'm ready to convert. Whereas beforehand, she had no intention whatsoever of doing it. So... My wife is now Catholic. That's that's almost ten years ago at this point. And uh, again, getting to yeah, I mean, it's 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 really was pretty remarkable. You know, I, as they say, the Lord, you know, writes trade with crooked lines. And in retrospect, I can see all those. I can see the path, but you know, at the time, it was it was just uh, it was a whirlwind. Um, just I couldn't I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, I just, it finally all clicked and made sense. It all made sense that the way my grandparents lived their faith, I never understood it. But then I understood my grandparents after that much better. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing, Matt. Uh, it's a story that many of us can relate to, definitely. Um, sure. uh, Logan, tell us about how has the Catholic faith been been important to you in your job as a law enforcement officer? How has this uh, become something that would necessitate this fraternity. Sure. So my, um, my reversion story is not quite nearly as cool as Matt's, but it, it did happen right before I got on the job and similar to him, you know, I started out from a place that I did not know my faith. I did not know the catechism nearly well enough. I did not know these things. Um, long story short, I had a similar experience to him, you know, um, after college, uh, lived a dissolute life in college, you know, hit the sort of rock bottom kind of thing and said, you know what, I need to, this is not me. This is not the way I was raised, even though I wasn't raised in a particularly devout or traditional home. <laughs> Similarly, my parents did the best they could with what they were given. But, you know, after college, I said, you know what, I, this is not, this is not right. Something in me was just said, Hey, you need to go to confession. I didn't know much about the faith, but I knew that when you were messing up, you know, that's where you're supposed to go to feel better. Basically, that's as far as it went at the time. But that was the first, you know, initial grace that kind of led me the rest of the way. So the rest of the way being, you know, trying to basically undo the conditioning of the society, of public education, everything, and learning about the faith and trying to just, you know, at, at a certain point, I reached that 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 decision where I said, okay, I, I need to, I need to give my life to, to God and, and serve him, uh, my creator and my redeemer. And I just need to, you know, 
learn as much and do as much as I possibly can. And, and that's the germ that started. Uh, so fast forward to law enforcement by, by the time I get into the Academy, I have an understanding that in the ideal, you know, every person, every lay person on the planet has, you know, a certain vocation and that vocation is God calling them to do a certain job, to be us, to do a certain function in his mystical body. So just to, just as any other profession, as a police officer, I need to be a police officer as a Catholic. It doesn't shut off between, you know, I'm at home and I'm a Catholic, but now when I'm a cop, I just do what the other cops do. So I had this sense of, of the, the church's, you know, teaching on church and state and just being a public official or just whatever you are doing your job. You need to do it in a way that is, you know, in conformity with the principles of the gospel. And in my experience, I, I work in a smaller department than Matt does. Um, I had, I really had very few, I, I was lucky that some parishioners I have, I, I attend the traditional mass basically exclusively at this point. Um, I was very lucky that a couple men in my community were also law enforcement. So I, I had a, a couple guys, including Matt, that I could go to to ask questions and stuff like that. But in terms of my department, there's no, there's a couple guys who you could maybe say are practicing Catholics, but definitely nobody who's really trying to live their job as a police officer in, you know, the most Catholic holy way possible. And just, again, my three years of experience, there's a lot of temptations, a lot of pressures, a lot of stressors that come with this job. It's a difficult job. It's great. I love it, but it's very difficult. And so on a natural level, the fact that it's difficult is one thing. Then you add on the fact, the supernatural level of trying to be integrally Catholic and in all the decisions you make and all the things that you do as a police officer, I found myself, you know, a man on an Island with very little resources, very little people I could go to, to, to call on, to try to give me advice on saying, you know, not just like, you know, Hey, what are some good tactics on a traffic stop? How do I get into the drug game and, you know, take down drug dealers and stuff like that. But how do I be a Catholic cop? How do I be, how do I do this job without falling into some of the unfortunate temptations and things that I see some of my compatriots doing that I know would violate my conscience would not allow me to, you know, I, I can't do those things. So that's really where I said, you know, I, I can't do this on my own. I can read all I want. I can, you know, I can research all I want and that's great, but there's a difference between, you know, reading and, and gaining knowledge in that way. And the real wisdom of experience of actual practical experience of men who've done this job before me, and have done their best to do it in a Catholic way. I needed some kind of organization that would, that would provide that in some way. And I, as Matt, I think can speak to even better than I, um, other organizations that already existed, like the Holy name society and stuff like that tend to have like some kind of presence in the police departments, but it's, it's unfortunately like some currents in the rest of the church. It is not in a place where it can really provide that type of assistance type of fraternity um, to somebody like Matt, like myself, like I'm sure many other, uh, cops out there who are trying to, you know, work out their salvation in fear and trembling within their profession and find that, you know, they don't really have people to turn to, to bounce ideas off of, to, to access that wisdom of trying to do it in a way that is most pleasing to God. Excellent. Thank you. So Matt, I'm going to pull up the website here on the screen so everybody can see it. Um, and 
So we have this linked below, so you can go to the website. So Matt, can you introduce us to this fraternity? What is it about? And we can go through some of the website too here on the screen. Absolutely. So just to to uh, get a little context as to how this all came about, I started the Patrolman's Fraternity of St. Michael with the NYPD around 2014, 2015. Uh, and the reason I did was just to, um, as Logan stated you know, previously, I realized that in order to live the faith that I knew the way it needed to be lived, I needed to live that out as my, as part of my vocation as a police officer. And the, the spiritual wasteland that is the modern day culture and the modern day police department um, was in my face. And, and I was looking around for a, a fraternal organization that could meet the spiritual needs of very confused, but in, in many cases, you know, men that had natural virtue, they had natural virtue, but they did not know how to grow in that virtue to attain supernatural virtue. I looked and looked, I asked questions, no one knew where to go. And the, again, in regards to the fraternal organization that, that existed, they were uh, really great guarantors of the status quo. And I knew that something had to be done because I looked around and it was just remarkable that in an organization as large as, as the NYPD, around 35,000 sworn officers, the largest in the country by far, 70% of which are baptized Catholics, you would be hard pressed to find someone who was really living the faith as our grandparents did. Because in their day, uh, the annual Holy Name uh, Society communion breakfast would get uh, several thousand cops would march and attend this, six to 70, sometimes even 8,000. Whereas nowadays, you have to beg and plead to get a few hundred uh, who are you know, usually only there because they get the day off for the most part. Um, so again, I spoke with a number of people and I created this this fraternal organization for Catholic cops and um, went out and, and did the dirty work and pound the pavement and uh, made a lot of people who previously thought I was a you know okay guy think I could have come, gone completely off the reservation and uh, you know it, it's just again like I said I had a really profound reversion and I've never been a halfway type of guy again being raised in, in a, a house where thank God uh, the color gray really didn't exist. It was black and white. And, um, you know, that's been a great blessing in my life, honestly, in many different ways, but getting to it, the fraternity here, um, I was able to meet a lot of, a lot of, uh, guys on the, on the job. I would not have known otherwise. And we, I was starting to do meetings once a month, bringing, uh, guys to the traditional mass that almost all of them have never been to before. And the reactions were really, you know, pretty remarkable. A lot of them were similar to what I, I saw at first that, you know, how could they, you know, how could they change this? How could they take this away? Uh, this is so different. I don't get it. Uh, why, you know, why is it all in Latin and everything else? And, you know, the usual questions that a lot of us have probably been, you know, asked before. And um, 
you know, and this went on for for a little while. And, and to be honest with you, I think after a while, with because again, an organization as large as the one I was in, I mean, you know, Logan, I know he he's definitely in quite a different situation. Um, it was really difficult to find. Uh, again, I, I met some great guys, but to find, you know, another person or persons who were as dedicated and uh, I guess on fire it was, was not, um, it was not an easy thing. So I think after a while I, I really burnt out. I think I really burnt out after a while. And I tried to then really go to the larger organization of the Holy Name Society of the department and figuring, well, you know what, maybe I can reach many more people that way. And, and, and we were able to do some good things. We were able to do good, some, uh, good, uh, good things. We, we did an honor guard at a couple of pontifical high masses, one of which had Cardinal Zen. Um, my, my oldest son, who I spoke about previously in the pews that was doing, mimicking the priest over the gifts. Well, he served the, the pontifical high mass with Cardinal Zen. And um, we did an honor guard for it. And so, you know, we were definitely able to do, you know, some, some good things. Um, but, you know, you talk about an, an uphill battle. It, it was just everything. It was, and then, of course, COVID hit. And everything shut down completely. And uh, I was really thrown for a loop how in a time of tremendous need that we can't do anything to address obviously some very serious spiritual issues with our, our members. And uh, to be quite honest with you, after that, I just, um, I really, really made a, I guess an unofficial break and never did anything with, uh, with the organization, that organization again. And then around that time I happened to meet uh, Logan at the aforementioned, the great Father Paracones retreat. And um, we started talking and, you know, at that point I really had already kind of come to the conclusion that this was the only way forward. It had to be, it really had to be what it should be its own entity in order to address the vast spiritual needs of police officers. So as far as the website, everything like that, my my younger friend Logan can speak on that at length because his uh, his younger computer skill <laughs> that possible because uh, mine would not even come close to doing such. Um, but it's a great site. I mean, I really can say that it, it really he did a great job. But it's important that we get the word out because um, you know if we wake up each day and we don't do what God has given us the ability to do, the grace that we receive every single day. How could, how could we not go out there knowing that there's souls at stake here? And there are many souls at stake. And I'm just, again, at times it's overwhelming just how destroyed the culture is. And, and, and we, I think of my friends, my former coworkers. I mean, I, I love these guys. I would have taken a bullet for any of them and they would have taken one for me. Um, but the, the roots of secularism are so deep that it has to be a no-holds-barred, uh, hard-identity Catholicism venture because this halfway 
you know, nice, everyone goes to heaven business is not working. And this is anything but that. So Logan, tell us about what does this fraternity offer patrolmen? Is it, uh, is it for police officers and only not uh, firefighters or who, who are the members of it and what do they do? So first, let me just give credit where credit's due. As far as the computer skills go, mine really are nothing to write home about. You got to thank my wife for that. She helped me with the uh, website building thing and all that. So props to her uh, on that. Um, but yeah, so what the whole idea of the patrolman's fraternity um, is to fill the gaps that Matt has been talking about. With the recent COVID thing, I think the church had a tremendous, tremendous opportunity. Uh, I think you have a lot of people, law enforcement, probably in particular in the country who, who kind of see what has been going on with just the moral and cultural rot of our beloved country in the past years, decades with seeming, you know, no answer to it. Um, nothing, not, it doesn't make sense. There's a lot of confusion. And I think the church had a tremendous opportunity to step in and, and really, explicitly preach the gospel against some of these errors, against some of these abuses and things that we're seeing. So the patrolman's fraternity without trying to usurp any authority that isn't ours is really in existence to provide that guidance, that knowledge, that um, spiritual support for members of law enforcement. And particularly in regards to what are we supposed to do in our profession? I think it, um, more broadly, uh, more broadly speaking, um, I think this is the way forward for all traditional minded Catholics is to say, like Matt said, you wake up each day. What what can I do? What can I do to, for this situation? We see this confusion in the church, in our country, all that. Can I, you know, try to solve all these theological questions sitting at my computer and and you know, debate it to no end on Twitter. I maybe, I mean, some, I'm sure, you know, some people are called to that, but I think even more so if people take a step back and focus on what, what they can do in their profession, that kind of subsidiarity approach might bear more fruit. So the patrolman's fraternity at its base is for the sanctification of its members. So that's through taking on a discipline of prayer, penance, fasting, and efforts to evangelize. Right. I, I spent a lot of uh, being a more youthful guy. The process of my reversion, uh, I made some stops along the way on the, the deep, the deep web of Twitter and, and stuff like that. And it was kind of a um, a journey from the political more to the spiritual. I, I was very concerned with politics and, and my country, which I think a lot of cops are. As Matt said before, you have a lot of men with, um, you know, a lot of natural virtue, a lot of patriotism who love their country, who want to serve their country who want to do the right thing, but kind of don't have the channel for that and don't see it in the, the truly Catholic perspective. So in a certain sense, the, the political aspect can kind of help us evangelize. I think people want to save the country. Well, if you want to do that, we need conversions. That's what we need. We need more Catholics. We need more people living the faith, meriting grace for the conversion for other people and getting themselves and their families to heaven. And that's what the patrolman's fraternity is about but specifically geared toward police. So the patrolman's fraternity is not, doesn't include uh, firemen and, and other, you know, first responders and stuff like that. Love those guys, love the EMTs I work with and all that, you know, 
all the best to them. But this is really a specifically by cops for cops apostolate that is meant to, you know, make spiritual and temporal soldiers of Jesus Christ against, you know, the evils of our day that can only be solved through through that and not through any kind of political, you know, machinations or anything of that sort. So it's, it's what it offers is kind of different levels of membership. Um, as Matt yeah, let, let me pull up the website here, Logan. Sure. So, so tell me where to go here. Uh, here we are on the website. Yep. So if you go to the menu um, towards the top, that could kind of help you select the screen. Yeah, there you go. You want to go to um, take the cross. Yep. So if you scroll down, um, we kind of have different ranks. So a knight would be the top level. You are hardcore dedicated to doing your very best to become a saint and to, um, you know, dedicate yourself to God and to the apostolate and to, you know, your family. Uh, and so you keep a pretty strict life of prayer, of fasting, of penance. Um, some of this is still you know, somewhat of a work in progress. I mean, we're still, this is, you know, we've just founded this thing. We're trying our best to make it the best that it could be, but it's not, you know, totally a final product yet. In the ideal, you'd have men who keep St. Michael's Lent, complete that eight-day consecration to St. Michael. I think it's from Angelus Press. We're doing that uh, in my parish. Um, Keeping an all night and being up using the, the Roman Pontificale. Um, we need those sacramental graces to help us do our job in a way that's Catholic, sanctify ourselves, and and lead our families. So, in its ideal, it's a one stop shop for a Catholic cop who's looking for what he needs to, as a fraternity, to talk to other cops, to join with them in a united effort of prayer and penance for their sanctification and for that of their families and for conversions and to ultimately try to make some changes so that, you know, being a cop in America in 2022 is not uh, as much of a spiritual wasteland fraught with temptation and difficulty, but rather through brotherhood and through these spiritual things, uh, a great means to sanctification. Yeah, so let me, let me just repeat this real quick. Some of the audio got a little garbled. So this is the night level, which is the highest level, is keeping St. Michael's Lent, which we're currently in that Lent, August 15th, December 20, 29th. Next week is Michaelmas. And then the last eight days, you keep that eight-day consecration, and then you do a, an all-night vigil and penance reparation. And then you're dubbed a knight by a priest using the Roman Pontificale. And then from there you pray the chaplet of St. Michael at least once a week for the fraternity, its members, all enrollees of the Purgatorial Society, which we'll get into that too. Mm -hmm. uh, fast on Fridays and reparation for unjust laws and policies and the rejection of the social kingship of Christ in our country. Make part of every shower cold in reparation for all the sins of members of law enforcement and for their conversion. Regularly train in a legitimate martial art. If possible, organize local cohorts of fraternity members for support and expanded outreach. Do you want to expand on any any of those parts? Sure. I, I'm a big uh, I'm a big Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. Um, I know as some guys, I think, in our our job will watch the uh, the more secular realm, the Jocko podcast. Um, I take some of my cues from him. Um, just generally, we have a big like in in the country. There's a lot of talk about police reform and and stuff like that. 
I think a great way forward to that is a lot more training. I think, I think Matt could probably speak to this as well. Uh, the amount of training that we get for the job that we do is just not, not enough. Um, so if we are going to be, you know, a great example to our brethren mm -hmm. to attract them to the faith and, and show them that there's something more, something above what their day to day is, I think we have to have both aspects of the natural and the supernatural. I think cops respect, you know, they respect guys who are good at the job. I think, and, and part of that, I think, is being able to handle yourself in a martial art. It's, it's a, it's, you know, policing is a paramilitary organization. It, it is part of the temporal sword. So not only do we have to just be, you know, cops who go home and read their catechism and, and know about the faith, but we got to be good at what we do and, and, you know, enforcing the law and taking down the bad guys. So I think that's a key part of, of being what this organization wants each of us to be, which is a saint. Um, now, I, noticed, I noticed sure. you said legitimate martial arts. So <laughs> would that exclude any illegitimate forms of martial arts? What, you know, I, yeah, I think anything, anything that you might see in the UFC would be good to go. I, you know, there's some other ones that are more like ceremonial, more like traditional, like karate type stuff, which is much more, um, you know, doing moves and stuff. And it's just not, it's not as practically, you know, applicable to being at work and actually being in a fight in that kind of situation. So you know, there's more than just Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That's my personal one that I, I do the most, but you know, boxing stuff like kickboxing, Muay Thai, stuff like that. Just different people are in different situations. They might have a background in something else. I don't want to exclude any of that, but just the point being encouraging an actual, you know, regular discipline of physical training that I think is, is key to, to being good at the profession and being more virtuous just generally as a man. Yeah. I like how you have these spiritual disciplines tied in with these very practical skills, obviously, Matt, do you want to comment on any of these uh, different disciplines, this level of at the night? Uh, absolutely. So the one thing that is a, a, a factor with no matter how many, you know, younger Catholics you meet is that, again, many within the law enforcement profession are looking for something. They're looking for something. But if you look at the modern expectations within the Catholic Church, the Latin Rite, anyway, there is virtually nothing. There is nothing there as far as asceticism to a degree that it would it could really, really bring um these these guys into really a living a life of asceticism, a life of of great sacrifice. Uh, I hear it all the time. Regarding uh, one guy in particular, would always you know get on a tangent with me about just how everything had been so watered down. Men like a challenge. We we feed on competition. You know, my wife will tell me at times unless there's some sort of struggle or some sort of sacrifice involved, I'm just not interested. And you know what? That I'm not alone in feeling that way. You know, you look at the sports bars on Sunday; they're all packed. The churches in the Northeast, anyway, are empty. They're empty, and the sports bars are packed. Why is that? Well, the men see something that they're attracted to. They see a challenge. They love competition. They are not challenged by the modern day uh, Latin rite of the church. So. 
that's where we come in. We show them things that were always done, you know, for a number of years. And Logan and I did it with some other uh, guys this past uh, Lent. We did, we called Catholic Strong Lent. And it was really based a lot off of the previous Lenten disciplines from over a century ago before the gradual water de- watering down process had really taken hold. And to a man, everyone loved it. They all loved it. And, uh, you know, just this is something that works. It's worked for centuries upon centuries. And uh, without it, you know, we're in big trouble. We all we're very good liars to ourselves. We all, you know, are too nice to ourselves at times. We all get lazy. We all get, you know, a little soft. These are the tools that are absolutely necessary in order to live a life of growing in the faith, growing in love for our Lord, our Lady, uh, be able, being better husbands, being better fathers. Um, all these things they are absolutely necessary. So, again, this is about letting. First of all, letting our brethren know that there is more. This is this is what it is. This is what you can do in order to jump on board and say, hey, listen, this is what we have to you know, move forward with in order to, to, again, to live the faith of our fathers, to sanctify ourselves and, you know, God willing, our families and, and hopefully get ourselves and them to heaven. It's just... It's so uh, against the grain of the modern culture, which is very soft, and particularly with men. Um, you know, I worked my my whole career in the Bronx and Harlem till I got to the last few years. I, I worked uh, downtown Manhattan, and I guess I had been very sheltered in a certain way for you know about fifteen years, working amongst cops. And when I got downtown, I it really was quite. Um, telling how how emasculated the culture has become how remarkably feminized the, the men ha- have become in a lot of ways and that's not to say i'm you know the manliest man in the world but you do see it you see it a lot and uh men are um have been allowed to be they've been led into um you know really just uh reliance upon things that really don't lead us to to live the lives that we should be li- living lives of faith lives of virtue and that's where these these come come into play that are put on the uh on the patrolman's website and um you know like they say in field of dreams you build it and and they will come Excellent. well they will they absolutely will. We've seen it before, and, and you know it's worked for many centuries. There's no reason why it work, won't work now. You know, human nature doesn't change. Excellent. So, and uh, Logan, tell us about the auxiliaries and mm-hmm. the enrollees. So, yeah, just riffing off what Matt said. Absolutely, we need that core kind of elite. I think to, you know merit the grace for the growth of this apostolate, you know, God willing, just as the, you know, the religious, the monasteries, the cloistered nuns, those are who really drive the growth of the church. We need a kind of top tier of elite guys who are going to be the engine that drives this apostolate. But ultimately we are in this for all cops and, and all, all cops are not ready to take something like that on at this very particular moment. So we don't want to, you know, just totally exclude them. 
Um, so an auxiliary would just be, it's just a lesser level of dedication, a lesser level of discipline to the whole thing, but still being a part of the apostolate, still wanting that fraternal, uh, you know, organization to go to, to start trying to live the faith, uh, more integrally. Um, so it's, again, you know, it's, it's prayer, it's fasting, it's, it's some level of it, but just not quite the status of the night. Um, there's definitely periods in my life. I'd be much more suited to be an auxiliary than a knight for sure. So, you know, um, still want to have that, uh, as part of it. Um, and just to, just to make another note too, I, this, I think fraternity, I think Matt would agree is, is almost what, what a police union should be, what a police union should be in, in terms of, you know, if you had a real Catholic culture, a real Catholic state. A police union should be like the old guilds, like like what you're doing at Meeting of Catholic, um, you know, uh, which I'm sure a lot of viewers of One Peter Five are familiar with. Guild guilds, you know, back in the day would just be organizations from you know superior officers, you know, in, in this context, superior officers to the rank and file, concerned with their temporal and spiritual well being, you know, helping them you know, on hard times, even, even monetarily and stuff like that, um, praying for their dead, praying for them and, and all about the sanctification of the members. If that is what this apostolate ultimately is going to become, which is what our highest ambitions for it would be, um, that is only going to happen by God's will and by God's grace. And the only way to get that is by the primacy of the spiritual, the primacy of prayer, fasting, penance, sacrifice, and just, you know, every day, day in, day out, trying to live the faith. So we have high ambitions for this to be a big, you know, organization that can, um, that can have a broad appeal in addition to having that elite. But in order to do that, we, we need to start with those key spiritual things before we, you know, move on to anything else in those, in those other fields. Excellent. So the auxiliary takes on the chaplet. So mm -hmm. they pray the chaplet at least once a week. And then they do the Friday fast as well. Um, that's their commitment. And then the enrollees are, so these are all the dead of the, um, just the members of the fraternity, correct? Correct. So this, this is, uh, one of the first things I had thought about was the church militant and the fact that we have so many soldiers who are no longer, you know, living on earth, but are in purgatory able to pray for us um, when they get to heaven and we need to help get them there. Um, I'll never forget. Um, I had the, uh, in a certain sense, the good fortune in a certain sense, it's a mournful event, but, um, a couple months ago you had the funeral of detectives Mora and Rivera in, uh, New York city. They were both killed in the line of duty. Um, they were both Catholic and had a Catholic funeral in the city. Um, and all of fifth Avenue was shut down with cops who turned out for, uh, to pay their respects to the dead. Um, even in the spiritual wasteland of, you know, the current police profession, there still is a great reverence for our fallen brethren. And I think we would be foolish to neglect that, uh, that aspect of things. So I, I took a cue from, um, Rorate Chaley, who has their own purgatorial society. So I would really just try, honestly try to ride on their coattails and take anyone enrolled in ours and 
pass the names along to them so that the most spiritual fruit can be gained by both the members of our fraternity who are offering up prayers and penances for them, but also all the priests and, and people who do it for, uh, Rorate, Rorate Chaley, because, um, the prayers of these souls would be invaluable to helping, to helping us in, in our mission. Excellent. We've got, uh, one question here from M Proximus who says, uh, will there be any public masses arranged for the upcoming future? Well, um, we had planned on doing that, uh, as a matter of fact. Um, we had really kind of hoped to have a, a kind of coming out uh, party is, is uh, you know, to use a secular uh, term as far as the, the fraternity goes. For, so next Thursday, obviously being the feast of our glorious patron, St. Michael, um, we had, we had uh, requested a, a um, pontifical high mess to be set at a church in, in, uh, in New York City um, with, a, uh, with a certain bishop who everyone on this podcast uh, thinks very highly of. And that was summarily denied by the uh, by the archdiocese. So at this point, that is going to have to wait. Uh, so we will certainly be having um, public masses in the future. The one that we had plans to really uh, roll roll this out in a big way is not going to uh, to come to fruition this year. But that's okay. We'll, we'll keep on going. We will certainly have public masses going forward. Just to offer that too, the public, uh, as far as public events, um, we had that, um, rosary crusade for, uh, first responders last year. We plan on making that, you know, an annual, an annual thing for the fraternity also, um, participating in that, which starts in January. So our hopes are, you know, Starting from today, we get some more interest, more people praying, sacrificing, and so that hopefully next year uh, for the Feast of St. Michael or, or before that, we can get a really, you know, uh, we can get a public mass with this bishop in particular, hopefully. But if not, you know, it's in the works. We definitely have some priests who are interested in working with us and who would definitely offer public masses for us. So just stay tuned for that. Um, we're going to do our best to make to make something like that happen. Excellent. Yeah, I know the, the last time you did a rosary crusade, it ended with uh, Pope Francis consecrating Russia to the Immaculate <laughs> Mary. So, uh, yeah. Sounds like uh, a good plan to continue. You've got a pretty good year. track record so far. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, any uh, final comments um, before we pray our Hail Mary at the end of this? Logan well, or Matt? Go ahead. It, if I may real quick in Logan, then you can go. I just sure. want to uh, to thank you, Tim, for having us on here. And really, this is a great vehicle for spreading the word about this because, uh, like I said, years ago when, when this first began, um, getting the word out was was not easy. It was, uh, it was definitely something that was quite difficult, and it's something that a lot of people are not really familiar with, traditionally living a traditional Catholic uh, life and, and again in a thoroughly secularized society and a thoroughly secularized job. So, just 
having the new website and then this being able to really hopefully proliferate throughout the, the you know the traditional Catholic world is a tremendous really boon for us. So thank you very much. Excellent. Logan, I'd like thoughts? to yeah, I'd like to echo the same thing. I can't thank you enough, Tim, for all the work that you do on a regular basis and for having us on. Um I would say that also to anyone out there watching this, any cops, anything like that, um, we have high ambitions for this, high hopes for this. Uh, we're willing to take anybody's help too. You know, we are, uh, we're two guys doing the best that we can with what we have, but you know, any ideas, any, anything guys would want to contribute things to help improve this apostolate, to build it. I'm all ears. Um, I'm going to look to set up a telegram chat too, to be kind of like, uh, a more private setting for uh, us cops to talk about, you know, different things and stuff that maybe we wouldn't talk about in a more public setting like this, but, you know, ideas are welcome. Uh, any kind of support critique, anything like that more, more than welcome. So, you know um, just reach out. I'll, I guess I'll put uh, if you want to put it in the chat or something, Tim, it's patrolman's fraternity SM at gmail.com. That's kind of the official email for uh for the fraternity it should be on that contact page there oh okay so you go uh, on the website upper mm -hmm. right corner contact yep uh so you could be right there here. okay yeah if you send your email and stuff like that it should get to my yeah to that one right there so anything <laughs> like that thoughts suggestions comments critiques um feel free this is you know a work for God, got by God's will, it will proliferate, uh, you know, by our ladies' prayers, by our prayers, penances, all that stuff. So don't hesitate to reach out with, with anything like that. Excellent. Real quick, just in that, it's not related to the Northeast. It could be from anywhere, anywhere not throughout the country, because, you know, we're just not showing favoritism to, uh, to our people that have funny accents in this part of the country, you know, or anywhere else. Absolutely. Fantastic. Patrolman's Fraternity SM at gmail.com. Excellent. Well, let's close this out and offer it all to Our Lady. And we will invoke our patrons at 1 Peter 5, which is Blessed Carl and St. Maximilian, as well as St. Michael, ahead of uh, Michaelmas next week. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Blessed Emperor Carl, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen.